Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Good to be with you for sure. Uh, it's, it's neat that you can track uh, things. Uh, in Nazareth, uh, in Israel, the Emmaus Center is in Nazareth. It's an Arab assembly. Uh, and George and uh, Roz Khalil uh, run the Emmaus, and they're part of that assembly. But they do a daily podcast, and apparently somewhere around 100,000 people a day. It's done in Arabic, and it goes out through the Middle East. Most of the courses they send out, of course, are to Lebanon, Egypt, Jordan, uh, very few in Israel. But uh, also in Ontario, the Family Bible Hour has a uh, podcast. It's called Hope Stream Radio. And what they do is they run two-hour segments, and it runs 24 hours a day, and then the next day it's a different two-hour segment, and it runs 24 hours a day. And they can uh, track, uh, they also track how many people, you know, click on. Uh, I've just finished, or I've done one called, Is There Life After Death? They asked me to do that. And apparently that's one of the most asked questions on the Internet. So they're tracking how many people... Uh, click in uh, to that. Uh, so if you want to get that, you can go to Hope Stream Radio and look for me, or you just Google, is there life after death, Gary McBride, and it'll, it'll come up. It's just a five-part uh, segment, and uh, they're all only five, six, seven minutes long. Uh, everything on there is quite short. Uh, we'll be a little longer than that tonight, but not too long, because we want to keep David awake. So. But I just want to have a, a bit of devotion, and we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, thinking about assembly life and Christian life. And just in this passage, there's some motivation, some incentive why we should keep on keeping on, why we should uh, go on well uh, for the Lord in life. And, you know, it seems to me that a lot of people don't finish well, and uh, you've noticed this in prominent people in so many leadership roles, how they've not finished the race uh, well. Uh, you think of Ravi Zacharias, it's after his death it comes out that he didn't run the race very well. But you know, you've had people in Florida, uh, we've had people in the assemblies, we know men who were elders and in their 60s and have left their wives for other, other women. And so it's so vital to have the mindset, Lord, I want to finish well, and to have that that prayer to, to finish well. And in here, there are just some things that I think should motivate us uh, as we uh, think of the Christian life. And just look at them briefly, but you can go over this passage on your own and, and just see how it uh, is a, a motivation thing. So in 2 Corinthians 5, we'll read from verse 9 to uh, the end of the chapter and then just pick out a few uh, thoughts. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God, or if we are if we are of a sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus 
that if one died for all, then all died. And he, and he died uh, for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when you think of a passage like that, there's, I think there's motivation to keep on keeping on. I think what verse 9 would indicate is that here's a goal in life. What, what really matters in life? You know, when it's all said and done. Well, he says what really matters is to be well-pleasing to him. I mean, what else really matters? Uh, what we accumulate and uh, we leave behind, somebody else may benefit in a financial way, but really it's what's done for the Lord that, uh, that lasts and goes on into eternity. And so uh, he's talked in the first uh, eight verses about the fact that one day we're going there and it's far better uh, to be with the Lord. And uh, he says we're confident that that's going to happen. And so one day we're going to be there. And how wonderful it would be to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, to live a life that has been well uh, pleasing uh, to him. Uh, you think of Caleb. You know, he said, uh, it is later years in life, I fully followed the Lord. Well, that's one thing to say, but Moses also said that of him. Moses said of Caleb, he's fully and wholly followed the Lord. But even better than that, God himself from heaven said that of Caleb. Caleb has wholly, fully followed the Lord. A life pleasing uh, to the Lord. You think of uh, Daniel. Uh, in Daniel chapter 6, they, they looked at his life and thought, is there anything that we can get on him? Has he fudged the books? Has he done anything uh, wrong? And they looked at his life and could find uh, nothing uh, wrong. And so he was a man that the Lord uh, referred to as, as one who is, who is pleasing uh, to him. And so that's, that should be motivation in our life. It's just what really matters. We want to live a life that's well-pleasing uh, to him. In verse 10, the thought of accountability. Uh, you know, our life matters because one day we'll give an account of our life that's been lived. And so he, he presents to us the fact that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So in some way and somehow that I can't figure out, but I'll tell you someday how it worked. Uh, in the seven years of tribulation here on earth, we'll be in heaven. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ will take place. And who knows how many believers there are, perhaps. Uh, the history of the church may be a billion believers. But somehow we'll all stand individually before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account uh, for our life. And so there are several verses that talk about uh, that day. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 talks about the fact that 
we shouldn't be judging one another now, but the Lord will judge in that day. And the reason is he knows the motives of the heart. He, he knows the, what was going on. In Romans chapter 14, it's in light of how we interact. He talks about the weaker brother and how we receive them, how we uh, interact with them. And uh, he talks about the fact that we'll be before the judgment uh, seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians uh, 3 talks about the evaluation of our works in the context really of a local assembly. Paul was writing Corinth. He said, I was there, I laid a foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then he talks about every man taking care how you build on that foundation. Uh, a lot of people don't see that in the context of a local, a local church. But uh, in that day, our work will be evaluated. Gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, the Corinthians, interestingly enough, uh, some years before Paul wrote, a fire apparently went through Corinth. And so everything that was wood, hay, and stubble was consumed. And what was made of rock and brick and everything uh, withstood the fire. So they understood the, the analogy that Paul was uh, presenting. And so we'll have our day. And he says, each of us will be there. Uh, you won't be assigned a lawyer, it seems. Uh, you'll give an account of yourself. And the evaluation, of course, is not to condemnation. Romans 8.1 reminds us there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Sin has been uh, dealt with. Uh, you know, verses like Isaiah 44, 22, 23, he's blotted them out. He's wiped them clean out of the book. Psalm 103, he's moved as far as the east is from the west. And so it's not a matter of, of sin. It's a matter of reward or loss. And so the evaluation here is, is looking at our life uh, to see what we've, been, what we've done. So the motivation is looked at but also what we've done for him. And here it's whether it's good or bad in our translation, but the word bad has the, the thought or idea of worthless. Did we invest in something that was good or we spend our time on what was worthless? And so there's a motivation. One day we'll stand and we'll give an account. And of course, we know from scripture to whom much is given, much is required. And we've been in this country, of course, North America, been blessed above many in this world. And so we will give an account. We'll give an account of our time, of, of our finances, all that the Lord has given us, we are responsible uh, for. And so that's certainly uh, a motivation uh, for us. And then what we know in verse 11, say down to verse uh, 13, he says, we know the terror of the Lord. In the sense, we know the, the consequences of sin. We know uh, what's coming. We know the judgment of God that's going to be poured out on this and sinners. And uh, that should, of course, motivate us. If you were to uh, look at Psalm 73, Asaph, who wrote it, he looks around at the rich people and he says, my foot foot nearly slipped as I considered how well they lived, how easy they had it. I just, he's bent out of shape. He said, when you get down to, I think, verse 10, he says, I, I couldn't even talk about it with other people. I couldn't tell them. But then in verse 17, he goes into the presence of the Lord. He said, until I went into your sanctuary. And then he describes what will happen to them. And you realize they need to be pitied. 
not envied where they're headed for doom and destruction, desolation. And so we know the terror of the Lord. We know what these people are facing. We know the importance of our testimony or the gospel of what we're engaged in, what we're doing. Um, you know, you, people watching these, these podcasts and, and so on. I mean, we're, we're, there's value in what we're doing. We know what these people uh, will face. But he also talks about in there the testimony of the, of the messenger. And uh, that's so important as well that we keep in mind that uh, we give credibility. Uh, you know, in Philippians chapter 2, it says we're not to, to grumble or murmur and complain, but to, to live as children of the light and holding forth the word of life. And so our testimony is tied to the message as well. And then in verse uh, verses 14 uh, to 16, he talks about the love of Christ. He says that's what compels us, doesn't it? When you think of the love that the Lord Jesus Christ had for us. Now, if somebody came along and, you know, you were starting off in marriage and just bought a house and had a large mortgage and somebody paid off your mortgage for you, you'd feel that sense of indebtedness and want to do whatever uh, for them. Uh, I doubt that that happens very often to many people. Sometimes you read about people, uh, waiters in a restaurant and somebody that's wealthy does something wonderful for them and provides them a house, provides them those things. There, there's just such a sense of indebtedness and gratitude. Well, what about us? The love of Christ compels us. And it talks about the fact that he, he died uh, for us, what he did uh, for us. And so you think of the, the love of Christ, Galatians 2.20, he loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5, 2, and we're to walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor unto God. He loved us. You think of Revelation 1, 5, uh, unto him who has loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is amazing. There's a hymn in our hymn book. Uh, I don't know, we sing it very often, the black hymn book, but what love it was that brought thee down, down to the depths in which I lay, that made thee leave thy glory throne in servant's form to tread thy way. Yet lower still to death didst go, that I might never judgment know. You think of the tremendous love that the Lord Jesus Christ has exhibited for us. And what's our response? You know, John tells us uh, the words of the Lord that if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Obedience is the demonstration of our love for him. But Paul is, is not compelled by terror or fear, but he's compelled by love. And that's a wonderful motivation, isn't it? To be compelled by the love of, of Christ for us, just to respond uh, to that love. Here in his love, not that we love God, but he loved us and gave his son. It's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so that should be a motivating factor as well. Then in verse 17 and 18, this thought of being a new creation, of being reconciled to God. Now reconciliation means to bring two together, to make things right that were wrong. And when we think of uh, reconciliation with God, it's, it's never said that God was reconciled. God never moved. Uh, sometimes 
people talk in those terms, but God never needed to be reconciled. He's never moved. So you think of a marital relationship. Sometimes things happen and there needs to be reconciliation. You think in normal relationships, sometimes things happen and there needs to be reconciliation. People have to be brought together and that harmony, that relationship restored. Well, of course, as sinners, we are separated uh, from God. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is, paying the price, paving the road, so that we could come back into a relationship with him. And so it's a wonderful thing that he has provided what is needed so that we could be reconciled uh, to him. So there should be that profound uh, sense of, of gratitude for what God has done. Let me just read a few verses You can turn if you like, but to Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And so that's a wonderful thing. And Paul says we rejoice in that that he has done done the work. You know, in, in terms of New Testament teaching, when it comes to forgiveness, that just means I release whatever has been done. I, I give it to God just to release. I don't harbor it. I don't allow it to grow into bitterness. But reconciliation is a process. Because I forgive doesn't mean we're reconciled. Reconciliation involves movement. Something has to be done. And so in a relationship, the one that is been the offender, has to apologize, has to do something to reconcile. But when we think of God, we were aliens, enemies, going from Romans 5, uh, ungodly, and he has done the work and reconciled us to himself. And of course, as soon as by faith we accept Christ as our Savior, we enter into that, and we are made right with God, reconciled uh, to God. So that's that's a motivation, isn't it? And you think of what he's done uh, for us. That should uh, instill or or give a sense of gratitude. I want to do something uh, for him. Then in verses 19 and 20, he talks about what he's committed to us. And he calls us ambassadors. Now, it's not likely that any of you will become an ambassador for the United States. I won't become an ambassador uh, for Canada. But that's usually a tremendous privilege. Uh, you know, the president, the prime minister, they usually hand that to somebody that's been influential, perhaps in their life and their party and, and whatever. Uh, it's a privileged position. Uh, and you're in another country, you're protected by the laws of your country, but you also represent uh, your nation. And so when an ambassador does something wrong, it reflects poorly on the country he came from. Uh, at one time there was an ambassador, a Canadian ambassador in Washington, Gottlieb was his last name, but uh, they had a party of some sort, a dinner, and uh, his wife slapped one of the uh, serving people. Well, that went all over, that was before the internet, so you've never seen it perhaps, but all over the newspapers across Canada that how terrible this was, that somebody in that position would do that sort of uh, thing. and so. We have the tremendous privilege. We are ambassadors for Christ. 
And that's, that's a wonderful thing. Our citizenship is in heaven. We don't really belong in this, to this world. We're in the world. But we're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Tremendous privilege that belongs uh, to us. The Lord Jesus said we're his witnesses. He's left us here for a purpose, but we're ambassadors. And so how we behave and how we talk really matters. We represent him. Uh, Nobody in our experience is going to have have a glimpse of God. John tells us again that the invisible God is seen through us. And so we represent him, ambassadors for Christ. And that's the privilege we enjoy. And then there should be a sense of wonder when you come to verse 21, the fact that God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't become a sinner, but he was made sin. In the Old Testament, sin and sin offering are often presented synonymously, uh, interchangeably. Uh, You think of what God said to Cain in the book of Genesis, sin lies at the door. Well, it could be sin or the sin offering is there for you. When the offerer came and put their hand on the lamb and confessed their sins, that lamb became sin and the sin offering for them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin for us. He who was sinless, spotless, undefiled, separate from sinners was made sin. He who knew no sin made sin uh, for us. It's interesting that uh, Peter could say of him he did no sin. John could say of him, in him was no sin. And Paul here says, he knew no sin. And yet made sin for us, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Tremendous, tremendous wonder of it, that that should happen. In First Peter, he says, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. That here he was made sin for us. Colossians 2 says, the ordinance or handwriting of ordinances against us was nailed to his cross and taken away as a result of what he has done. And so out of that sense of wonder, I should want to go on. So there's motivation. Like I said, you can read this again. Just that sense of the fact that our life really does matter here. One day we'll face him and give an answer uh, for what we've done. A response to what he's done for us, reconciled, what he did on the cross uh, for us. And so I guess the Lord will just encourage you uh, with that. Uh, I thought it was in light of the reports tonight and involvement in the local assembly, uh, it's good to have some encouragement to keep on keeping on. Okay. Sure. Okay. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we, we think of these motivating uh, things. Uh, you've done so much for us, and how can I do less than give him my best after all he's done for me? And so, Father, we would say more love to thee, O Lord, more love to thee. And so we just pray you'd guide and direct uh, this assembly, those in fellowship, those in leadership. We thank you for the testimony, for the faithfulness and consistency over so many uh, years. And we just commit each one to you, continue to work in hearts and lives, and we pray that we all may go on and finish uh, well, uh, live a life that's well-pleasing to our Lord and Savior. Continue to guide and direct this evening, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.